What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. PCR 2. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, the U.S. Federal Reserve making a surprise cut to its key interest rate. This came after leaders of the world's largest economies had held an emergency call to discuss possible coordinated global response to the coronavirus slowdown. No action, though. This is talk. No, but... This is typical. CNBC Squawk Alley host John Fort explains how tech executives are handling the coronavirus fears. Companies are deciding in real time how much they're going to lean on things like video conferencing. And a special surprise visitor to the Squawk Box NASDAQ studio. Come out! Come out! Hi, how are you? Jim Cramer weighs in on the Fed and best health practices in the workplace. Jim's still shaking hands. Those stories and more. It's Super Tuesday today. That's today? I'm CNBC producer Katie Cramer. It's Tuesday, March 3rd, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Mike Santoli. Andrew is out today. After the worst week since the financial crisis, stocks roared back to life on Monday, delivering the best intraday performance in nearly 11 years. All of the major averages posted their largest point gains ever, but they still have a ways to go before they make up for last week's major losses. So it was a good day for the markets, although some investors missed out on cashing in. Robinhood experienced a system-wide outage yesterday, resulting in its clients missing out On the Dow's biggest one-day point gain ever, the outage uh, lasted through the close. Users were notified early this morning that the free trading platform now back up and running for millennials. Uh, It's popular among uh, younger traders. Did they miss out yesterday on? Yes, it wasn't fixed before the end of the trading. If you only had an account at Robinhood, I guess so. Um, If you were buying yesterday. If you would have been buying. Yeah. Came back. Um, I would say that the other trading platforms were sitting by smugly, but this comes uh, like a week, less than a week after Charles Schwab and yeah. Fidelity both had yeah. some issues with trying to make make trades come through. Yeah, I don't volumes, think it, shut, yeah. it didn't shut everything. I've heard down. Vanguard actually it didn't had shut some everything down. Long wait times on the phone and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's uh, high volume days. Yeah. This is what you see. But man, would that be frustrating if you're especially when you're Robin and you're like a tech savvy, right. like it's all in your smartphone. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oops. Like the Iowa caucus. We are approaching one year since the FAA and other regulators around the world grounded the 737 MAX. Since then, airlines and Boeing have lost billions and the costs keep climbing. Phil LeBeau joins us now with more. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Mike. You know, a year ago, people were saying, well, I'm sure it'll only be grounded a few weeks, maybe a few months at the most. No, we're looking at a one year 
anniversary mark, if you will, for the grounding of the 737 MAX. That'll happen next week. Here are the costs that Boeing has outlined and a Bank of America estimate in terms of what it believes the true cost will be. Production, they're both on the same level there. Customer payments, we're talking about payments to airlines and leasing companies that have been unable to use the 737 MAX. Bank of America believes that's going to be higher than the $8.3 billion that Boeing has allocated there. And then you have the carried inventory effect. Altogether, Bank of America estimates it's at least $23.5 billion that the MAX has cost Boeing, and it could be even higher in the future. For the big three U.S. carriers that are using the 737 MAX, we're talking about Southwest, American, and United. They've pushed off return to service until at least August, or in the case of United, September. Remember, Boeing expects the, the plane to be ungrounded by mid-year. They're not giving a specific date, but let's say June, July, or something like that. That would potentially allow Southwest American and United to get the plane back into service, depending on how quickly they can do training for the pilots who will be flying those planes. As you take a look at shares of Boeing, remember, they have yet to schedule a certification flight. That's the next big milestone after the certification flight. There's a couple of other milestones as well before the FAA potentially could sign off on this plane returning to service. Hey, Phil, I was thinking about it, and part of the funds that all of these airlines have been paid by Boeing or been agreed to be paid was because they were going to be missing out on a lot of passengers they could be flying if they Correct. had the 737 MAX. Yep. Fast forward to what we're looking at today with all kinds of flight cancellations, people not going yep. places, them raining back in. Does that change the details at all in terms of what they can ask Boeing to pay them? No. I don't think it does, because they're looking at this and saying, okay, even if with coronavirus, what you're looking at with the 737 MAX were specific routes. Most of those, if not all of them, would have been here in the United States. And while there has been some softening in demand domestically, it is, generally speaking, held up. What you're seeing in terms of the cancellations and uh, basically sitting down aircraft uh, for Delta, American, and United, all of those, generally speaking, are international routes. Now, there may be some schedules where a particular route where they were going to fly five times in a day, and now they might bring it back to four because the market has softened up a little bit over the next couple of weeks. All right, Phil, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon. All right, time now for a quick wrap-up of the latest coronavirus headlines. Six people in the Seattle area have died from the outbreak. At least four of them were either elderly or had underlying health conditions, or both. There are now 110 confirmed cases in the United States. An Italian newspaper is reporting that Pope Francis has tested negative for the coronavirus. The 83-year-old Pope announced Sunday that he would skip a spiritual retreat because he had a cold. China reported 11 new coronavirus cases from outside the epicenter of the Hubei province. At least seven of those came from travelers who were returning from Italy. Meantime, South Korea reported a jump of 600 new cases overnight, and the number of deaths rose to 28. The total there is now above 5,100 confirmed cases. Interesting that China is now taking steps to make sure they are quarantining travelers who are returning from South Korea, Italy, or other places, because they're now importing the coronavirus, too. The Pope story is really pretty unbelievable, uh, because... You know, you're going to get conspiracies in this day and age with the Twitterati or, and whatever. And Drudge has had him, you know, showing pictures of him coughing and stuff. Yeah. So they, whether they spelled it out or not, yeah. he's in Italy. 
Right. And with community spread where you don't need to well, know so much. So, so they tested him. They said, OK, let's get it out here good. and let's let's. T- I actually was thinking about it. It's Super Tuesday today. You have all of these politicians that's today? going out there it's shaking today. hands all over the place. Is that it is today? I'm just talking about it's today, Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Today's it Tuesday. is. Today, and idea, it's Super the, Tuesday. The idea of politicians holding these rallies, going out, shaking hands with everybody. Right. Like, that, they're yeah. doing Kissing everything babies. we're telling everybody else not to do. Yeah. And he had to cancel some things, and had been sick for a couple of days, and yeah. he's, uh, you know, but he's well, in his too. 80s, He's in the crowds. Yeah. So are most of our presidential candidates who are running at this point. I mean, in Iran, one of the, you know, the, uh, the, the top, top eight one of the aides, yeah. Yeah. yeah, parliament's closed. 71 years old, I think. I don't know if he had any. Those are the things that, uh, where you start feeling a little bit better about things, and then you see someone that seems to be pretty healthy that, uh, yeah. uh, but it happened from the flu, too. Businesses continue to report on the impact of the outbreak. Visa revised net revenue growth lower by two and a half to three and a half percentage points. Visa said the outbreak has resulted in a sharp slowdown of its cross-border business. Uber uh, now says the outbreak poses a material risk to the company's business. In a filing, it warns investors that the number of users could decline or fluctuate and supply chain issues could disrupt new mobility offerings like dockless electric bikes and scooters. That is a change from what uh, CEO Dara Khashoggi told us last month. We're not seeing a significant effect on the business overall. Where we see an effect is in North Asia. For example, business in Hong Kong, airport business is down pretty significantly. From an overall standpoint with our portfolio, it's not material in any way. And more companies uh, are pulling out of events that would require employees to travel and gather in large groups. Uh, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Adobe all announced yesterday that they would cancel or withdraw from various upcoming conferences because of the outbreak. And some events uh, will now be held online. (laughs) You're looking at me. I can feel it. Uh, What is that stuff you're using? Uh, Purell. You're using Purell, but you're basically blanketing your entire work area with... uh, Well, the pen, the mouse, the... Okay. I'm set. I'm good to uh, you, go. You're you're good. Uh, March Madness, empty arenas or uh, oh. empty venues? Is that that won't happen? Will it? I kind of doubt it. I mean, it's mostly young people. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I have, uh, it would seem to me, unless it's a it's a, a city, you know, where yeah. it was an outbreak. Although, you know, in some of the areas in Seattle, they yeah. have seen. I, I think they said something like a third of the students didn't go to schools. They had a bunch of teachers who called out too. That's it. it, it you're fine unless you start to see a bunch yeah. of reports. People preemptively right deciding. Right. This morning, while Squawk Box was on the air, Fed Chairman Jay Powell and Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin held a conference call with the financial ministers of the G7 countries, the world's largest economies, to discuss a possible coordinated global economic response to the coronavirus outbreak. For context, a call like this has only happened three times recently, after the September 11th attacks, during the 2008 financial crisis, and following Russia's 2014 annexation of Crimea. The initial result of the mega conference call, not much. Here's Steve Leisman with the live report today. We G7 finance ministers and central bank governors are closely monitoring the spread of the virus um, and its impact on markets. Given the potential impacts of COVID-19 on global growth, we reaffirm our commitment to use all appropriate policy tools to achieve strong, sustainable growth and safeguard against downside risks. No action, though. This is talk. No, but, but, but this is typical, right? So the G7 itself has no power to take any action. So this is everybody saying we're all on board. 
Is it enough? So it wasn't enough. Later this morning, after Squawk Box had wrapped, the U.S. Federal Reserve announced an emergency rate cut of half a percentage point to combat the economic slowdown from the coronavirus. The surprise move was the first such cut since December 2008. Joining us now, Bill Nelson, Bank Policy Institute's chief economist. Bill, uh, good morning. Bill, you were uh, the deputy director of monetary affairs inside the Fed for during the crisis. That's right. You just wrote a chunk of the book that came out with Geithner, Bernanke, and Paulson. Tell me what's going on inside the Fed right now. What, what are they doing? How worried are they? What kind of process do they go through to figure out what to do? Well, I can tell you that they're, they're, they're working around the clock to do. I mean, it's a very committed organization to make sure that they can cushion the blow of this to the U.S. economy and keep people working, keep the economy strong. Working uh, around the clock like they were during the financial crisis? I would expect at this point, yeah, uh, maybe not quite that long, but certainly they're focused because they need to look at the, the whole range of tools that they have available. President Trump has been calling for the Fed to lower interest rates for some time to stay competitive with policy at other global central banks. This has been a key part of his response to the coronavirus outbreak. He met with pharmaceutical leaders at the White House yesterday and then overnight tweeted in favor of what would be an emergency rate cut. Here's Joe reading the tweet. Our Federal Reserve has us paying higher rates than many others when we should be paying less. Uh, tough our, on our exporters, and it puts the USA at a competitive uh, disadvantage. Must be, the, uh, must be the other way around. Should it ease and cut rates big? The Jerome Powell-led Federal Reserve has called it wrong from day one. Sad. And Squawk Box got a surprise visitor. CNBC's Jim Cramer, market watcher and small business owner. He owns two restaurants near me in Brooklyn, and I highly recommend the spicy margarita at Jim's Bar San Miguel. Whoa. Guess who's here? Come out. Come out. We are joined by a very special guest who happens to be in the house this morning. About time we get to see you in person, Jim. Well, thank you very much. I love your new yes. set. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I was, somebody was being negative. I always like a good negative call, like the Friday negative call network. Big, right? Jim's still, Jim's still shaking hands. Let's do the foot. Oh, uh, let's do the, no, I, I want, want the memo to go out so that we don't have to look rude. Exactly. Did right? you see the foot uh, shake that they're the foot, doing? Yeah, now? that's also another way. Where are you on, on, on that now? I mean, what caused, what was the rebound yesterday? Was it, I, I don't think it was the Fed. I think it was No, the, I, look, I think Dr. Fauci was on yesterday, was talking about, well, you got to get in trouble. You get in trouble when you say this. I'm going to say he said it's a, a really bad flu. And that did not mean that therefore you're OK. Right. It meant a lot of people are going to die. Just right. not as many people as may have died in China. And that the one point four percent, which is a high percent, may be a little uh, overstated because of all the people, the denominator. People who don't have it or people who didn't go to the hospital, the 1,099 people in China that, uh, that were hospitalized, yes, it was 1.4 died. But how about the people who weren't? So he wants to take a broader view. Now, immediately that was viewed when I mentioned that on the show. All I did was quote him. Mm-hmm. And I had to quote up. And I knew this was going to happen. You go on Twitter. I know Joe Yates has a lot of fans on Twitter. And yeah. it said, how dare he misinterpret Fauci? The whole point I wanted to prove was to just put the quote out to see if people felt that I was being misinterpreted. And therefore, Joe, yes. point to Joe on this. It became a political issue. You're kidding. But I come back and just say, look, in the end, those people who met with the president yesterday, they are the ones who matter. I would rather have a $100 million prize, non, non-taxable, to want any of these companies than to care about what the Fed does. I, I think that he ought to relent on the Fed. Jim, you, you, you have been out front, I can remember, in the course of my career, calling for the Fed to cut rates. And you have been right at least twice. And I think that's two out of two. 
that I can think of. Add a thousand. But you're not this time. No, you I are look, not I just, pounding the table. No, I want you're not giving me the look, what, what is it? They have no idea. Well, I just think that what's going to happen here is that we're going to have a lot of businesses that don't have the cash flow, small, medium sized businesses. If we keep going into the stay at home world, I'd rather try to figure out how to help them individually and keep their payrolls. Jim said something I, I think this is really smart, which is this idea, which is businesses that are good businesses should not go out of business due to a temporary event. I I. This may sound a little weird, but one way to think about this is the way the government has responded to hurricanes in the past. The Fed issues a supervisory relief regulation, which says if your borrower is in trouble, we're not going to penalize you Mm -hmm. for uh, keeping that bad loan on your books. Things that get people over the hump to the yes. other side of the crisis. Like the auto that, bailout? You and I are in total agreement. I, I, agree with I, you, I agree with the auto bailout, Joe. I think the auto bailout was, was, was a good move and kept auto companies uh, in Steve, existence. Steve is absolutely right. That's what we need. I mean, look, I, I got a double whammy here. I serve Corona at my restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And I need help. Well, Jim, let's get back to the point. You mentioned you've got 20 people on your payroll. Yeah. If people stop going out to eat, what, what would convince you that, okay, We'll keep them on. We'll kind of, kind of try and push look. Them. I, I think we'll do it because. And I'm, by the way, you're I, in a position. Blessed. You're in a position that you can. Yeah, I'm blessed. Most you know, I, I, we own our places because we like it, yeah. and we're, we're going to get through this. What I, happens? What happens to, to business owners who aren't in your position? Well, so the problem is the hand to mouth of the of the actual right. uh, companies that are very fragile. And those are the ones we have to worry about. And they're good companies, but if they don't have three weekends that are, right. if you have three weekends in the winter that are bad, a lot of these companies close because of rent. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I like Steve's idea. It's a national emergency. Let's protect them. Jim, uh, good to see you. Guys, thank you. Yeah, I thank love you. what you guys are doing. It's re-energized. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, CNBC's John Fort on tech companies, coronavirus, and avoiding the office. Why am I here? I could be at home doing this, right? We'll be right back. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick and Mike Santoli. Andrew is off today. Leaders from CNBC's Technology Executive Council are weighing in on the impact of the coronavirus that it will have on their own companies. John Fort joins us right now with the results from that. And John, good to see you. Uh, good to see you. Uh, this Classify this as anecdotal, but it's the best kind of anecdotal because we, we've got these leaders from the Technology Executive uh, Council. These are mostly CTOs, CIOs across different industries, significant companies. We gather them together and we pull them uh, about every quarter to see what's on their minds. Uh, This past quarter, we asked a question about coronavirus. It was just really starting to emerge as a major concern, asking them how it was affecting their operations, their business. More than a third said that they had employees who were stranded away from work for extended periods 
of time. Uh, you know, about two fifths said that they had allocated more resources for virtual work. You know, you see that stock price in Zoom uh, taking off, or halted operations in China. Altogether, and then there were various other responses uh, that you would expect around uh, limiting travel, having delays in obtaining visas, things like that. But you know, th- this is anecdotally, but it's from some of the top technology executives when? out what, what there. What was the time? What, when were you talking to them? This is a couple weeks ago. Okay. Uh, so you, you can imagine it's that. Stepped up pretty. Yeah, it's, it's stepped up even more since then. Around the time when uh, Mobile World Congress, which I was going you to go, go to, to yeah, not, right? uh, was getting canceled. Yeah. Things have ramped up quite a bit since then. We're just starting to really see some U.S. spread. Certainly Europe uh, and South Korea looking a lot more concerning than they were back then. But it gives you a little bit of an insight into how quickly this is moving. Just a couple nights ago, I was on the phone uh, with someone from Microsoft trying to get a sense of what their response was the target keeps moving for them. They put out something about how you know they're watching the WHO, CDC, things like that, keeping employees informed. But companies are deciding in real time how much they're going to lean on things like video conferencing. And I would argue, once again, based on the practices out there in technology right now, you would think video conferencing, oh, it's so easy. Everybody, They're tech workers, right? The way teams are organized around software engineering is in a lot of times being in the same place together working on a single thing. You can't do that as efficiently if you're on video conferencing. You know, we, we had Jan Niffen on yesterday just talking about the retailers and about how consumer behavior has changed over the last week. More people using online delivery, online shopping, and that for a lot of them, when they try it for the first time, once you bother to put your credit card in, you kind of see how it works, they like it. It could permanently change consumer behavior. Is that the potential for at least over a longer term changing behavior of some of these companies too if they're saying video conference and do more of this stuff even though it's not perfect once you get into a habit of doing some of those things how hard is that to break out too? I think that is absolutely possible for certain functions I also think at the same time we're finding more and more limits of technology Mm -hmm. WebEx has been around for a long time Cisco was pushing telepresence 15 years ago saying this is going to eliminate the need for business travel (laughs) certainly did not do that. I, I think it's made, it's made it more important for you to decide when do we get people physically together, but the quality of that connection when you're trying to close a deal. I was going to say sales to functions are very much important. Face to face, over a meal, that really matters, the quality of the interaction, and as high definition as high definition is, it's not high definition enough. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> John, thanks a lot. Why am I here? I could be at home doing this. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. 
Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. We're back. You're listening to Squawk Pod. And that's the show for today. On our rundown tomorrow, Super Tuesday's morning after. 14 states head to the polls today. We'll have the shape of the race and investor reaction. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. You can watch at home. It's totally safe. (coughs) Ah, you coughed. Where's my Purell? Patient zero. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or a review. You can also tweet comments to at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.